Oh, there we go. Well, all right, we're back. And after a little hiatus, after a little uh, break, back into the hex. And this section is all about the end of the world, which seems fitting somehow. Um, and this part of the game, uh, I had to rewatch. I was telling you guys that um, it was kind of, I needed to refresh on it this week. Uh, and so I watched somebody's playthrough of this game. They did not go in and explore the, the Six Pint Inn very much. So I feel like before we go to Rust's um, apocalyptic wasteland, we do need to go a few more places in, uh, in the Six Pint Inn. Um, there's a couple of kind of new developments here, right? Mm-hmm. We've got the uh, hologram concierge service, which is cool, but kind of scary uh, that's, that's activated at this point. And there's also the hidden room behind the kitchen. Did you guys go to the room behind the kitchen? I did not on this time around, so you'll have to fill me in there. But I did visit Valamir with Russ. Um, which Wait, what, happens? Hmm? what what happens then? Yeah, he uh, apparently in some prior uh, encounter, Rust ran into one of Valamir's uh, minions and said minion gave him a hammer which should supposedly allow you to break open Valamir's little tube cage thing. Um, <laughs> and if talk to Valamir, when you actually get to Rust's level in the Waste World, there's like a hidden place that you can go, and that is indeed where Valamir's minion, like one of the Lamias from uh, Chandrel's Legendaria chapter, um, actually has this magic enchanted purplish hammer. Um, which I have not been able to use to like bust Valamir out, but it seems that that is an important component of that process. Um, so Rust is engaged in helping Valamir escape from his trap, um, as well as the exciting adventures that you mentioned. Um, How about you, Steve? Either of those side quests appeal to you? Uh, I had to, to do the same thing as you, where I was watching someone play, and uh, they... So I don't. So I guess I finished it like two weeks ago, and so yeah. but the guy I watched just went like straight upstairs and uh, did not explore anything yet. Um, All right. So I guess to answer your question, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's. I feel like we're trained by this game to go and, and explore as much as possible. Um, I did forget about the Valamir thing, uh, and. I think that Valamir is referenced within this chapter in, in the main plot line. So again, sort of like a hint to maybe go back and talk to him uh, mm-hmm. when you, when you replay or when you get a chance. Um, and if I recall, uh, if you do go in through the kitchen, then there's something showing up uh, because of the hologram concierge. Um, there's like a series of numbers that appear uh, in hologram mm-hmm. form. And if you click them in the right order, they're, they're numerals. So the sixth one, of course, is the hex symbol. Right. Um, and clicking that after the other five uh, opens a way into a kind of like, it's like the room of the Wizard of Oz, you know, like behind the curtain. Is right, it, yeah. It's like there's a bunch of screens, there's a bunch of levers and, and switches and dials that 
say things like, um, you know, background music. And, and so you can like adjust sound effects, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, it's, I don't know, maybe a version of like a developer room or something um, that's that's laid out for you there. Is this ringing any bells? Yeah, I, I think that's going to be uh, plot relevant in the next, if not the next chapter, then the one after that. Um, okay. It's certainly going to factor into everything else that's going on. Um, so you have discovered it early. The hex has taught you well. <laughs> I also noticed the uh, the window upstairs is, of course, in the shape of a hex hex mm -hmm. hexagon. The word I'm looking hexagonal. for. Hexagonal. Yeah. Yep. It's hexagonal. Yes, that's the word. And uh, yeah, again, and this time we do we make it into that room. Uh, we make it to the the top floor um, mm -hmm. of the inn. Uh, so there's something else back there too. There's like, yeah, there's, there's clearly some, some stuff you can interact with in different ways. Um, some, uh, like sort of wheels you can turn and there's a room that's got some weaponry in it as well. So an, an armory back there. Um, I think one of the glasses was broken. So speaking of like a hammer or something, it, it looked kind mm -hmm. of like one of the weapons had been taken from its you know, display case or, or whatever it is back there. Right. Um, all right. So we'll, we'll just, I guess we'll just mark that, you know, something to come back to. Um, mm -hmm. and, and if you don't mind, I, yeah, I just want to interrupt real quick. If you go um, after you finish the game, you know, and you, you could play as like super weasel kid or um, Bruce, you, or I guess not super weasel kid, but, uh, or is it Bryce? Bryce. Bryce yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can go into the kitchen and like the tiles are still active. Um, mm. and you try to input the code. It just says like, "Oh, you think you're clever," and it like doesn't actually open up the door. Nice. Wow, interesting. So, yeah, it does sort of suggest that the hologram has been kept off for a reason up to this point, and and not mm. just been on the fritz, like uh, like the barkeep says. Um, he has it direct you up to your room. Um, obviously, you can do other things before you do that. But but when you come to the room, uh, there's a kind of puzzle that involves the hologram, right? You've got uh, it, it's just it's very strange how the hologram itself seems to have physical like substance to it, um, mm -hmm. and and you have to block it in order to to pass through. Um, the first time around, can't you you can just block it by holding the mouse over it, right? In in the first yeah. iteration of the puzzle, yeah, yeah, um, and that that allows you to go to like the other side of the room, basically, and there you have all these kind of um, like props that you you got to rearrange in a, in a certain pattern. Um, this puzzle took me a little while to figure out. Like it was weirdly tricksy. I thought. Mm -hmm. um, Maybe because I like really wanted to put the the skull of the the monster or whatever it is. I really wanted to put that like on top of the coat rack. I think for some reason <laughs> yeah. it, it, it wouldn't stay, or I don't remember. It wasn't as tall as I needed it to be. Anyway, mm -hmm. got like a what is it? A lamp, um, a bird, bird cage, yeah, yeah. and uh, and that skull, and then of course um, like an urn. Uh, I think that's all you've got, and then if, and then your 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 mouse, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
so there's, as far as I can tell, just one configuration that will work for this. Um, and then you can you can pass through the hole in the wall that's like hologrammed over up to that mm -hmm. point. And you're also, so you're following a figure of, um, he looks kind of like the Hulk, right? Uh, right. And I think you, you name him uh, Rocky and, and call out to him at that, uh, when he appears. Um, this, this seems to be somebody from Rust's past, right? Um, there's also the like the bust of Dust Bowl Danny there. Yes. Top um, hat. That with, yeah, he's like sort of a dapper, um, almost like President Taft is what I want to say. Kind of like. Yeah, that's that's very apt. And so that's like already sort of placing you up to this point. We've like really been wondering who Rust is, what kind of game he's from. He's like kind of hard to pin down. Um, not as much as the person with no face, of course, but right. um, this is starting to put us in like a, you know, kind of a wild west, like historical colonial, perhaps sort of frame of reference. Um, but it's weird because it's overlaid with this very sci-fi, you know, the sort of green light of the hologram. Um, and sure enough, that's like exactly what the, the game is that we end up in. Um, that sort of, Un, unusual combination of, of Wild West and futuristic, um, you know, dystopia. Did uh, you run into the cat as you were exploring? I don't think so. Where's the cat? Yeah, if you go right instead of left through the um, through the hologrammed over hole in the wall, uh, if you because oh. you know again hex always misdirection with the hex. Um, yeah. But you'll find the, the cat on the magic carpet, which you'll remember from Super Weasel Kid. Um, only now she is a green hologram, just like your friend Rocky and all of the other stuff that you've been running into. Um, uh -huh. She's not especially helpful at this point. She's mostly just excited that you've made it to the Six Pint Inn. Um, <laughs> but like most of the other characters, as you're wandering around the Six Pint Inn, they are all pretty dismissive of Rust. They um, are. Like, if you talk to, to Weasel Kid or Lazarus or Bryce or any of the characters, they all seem to unilaterally assume that you are the murderer. Um, mm -hmm. Because none of them know who you are. Like, we've talked before about how, you know, many of the other characters have relationships, even if they're sort of hidden or secret. Um, Rust doesn't seem to have any of those connections. Um, furthermore, you know, he's decked out with, like, his knife on his chest and his, his like, <laughs> grenades and his gas mask, and, like, everybody thinks that he's obviously a strange character. But what's more, you know, his replies have always been nonsensical. Like, we, we can't get sense out of him. He, we, we don't, he doesn't make heads or tails um, when you talk to him. And now, as, as he's wandering around... You know, now that the the player is controlling him, it doesn't actually get revealed any faster. You know, he's he's chasing after this Rocky character who he seems to remember, but you know, it's incoherent. It it doesn't make sense. And then even when you talk to the magic carpet cat, she's more like, "Yeah, you aren't well. I'm so sorry. What happened to you?" Um, so she's very sympathetic to the plight of Rust, where most of the other characters are mostly suspicious. 
Um, but it is interesting that we see her again. Like, this is now our second time running into her. No, I did. You, you, you're right. I forgot, but I did find that. But the person I watched okay. did not. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And exactly. I completely forgot. Um, but I also feel like, yeah, there's something more there, right, where we're starting to have characters sort of returning um, and coming back in sort of different forms. It's helpful, like, that you see the cat because that implies that the cat and... Jeremiah are different, which was something mm. I wasn't sure about. Uh, so kind of just distinguishing those. And um, yeah, also this sense that um, Rust himself is, yeah, not not well, you know, mm. um, not necessarily dangerous, although probably dangerous, right? But, um, but maybe has a, a kind of amnesia going on. Um, well, you know, he's got his hood up, so yeah. we can't quite tell what's going on with Rust, as we'll, as we'll discuss here. Yeah. And that also reminds me that I think if you go, it's either in the basement or it's in the kitchen, there's like a jump scare, again, with um, with a hologram of like a, a monster skull that flies past you real fast. Do you, nice. Yeah, I, I, I don't know where I triggered that, but it, it definitely... This is definitely making me feel like this game is more and more of a, a horror genre um, mm -hmm. and, and not um, maybe none of the individual games within it quite fall into the, you know, survival horror thing. Um, but the, the, the sort of cohort of them all together is starting to feel that that way to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you do go, the way that Rocky goes, you find another um, elevator up to the top floor. You come to the room at the hexagonal window, uh, and there's that that sort of garbed figure, right, um, with the shiny eyeball, who mm -hmm. apparently is is orchestrating things, right? Um, now. Uh, this one seems to be just a memory, right? Because nothing, nothing really happens here. Like, there's no putting on the um, hair salon hat. There's no falling down or uh, starting to fight or anything. Um, it's just talking to this person that triggers the memory. Um, and this game, it's kind of a tactical. Is there a name for this kind of game? Like, where you have the yeah. Usually you call it like a turn-based tactics game, and that's how it kind of refers to itself. Like the first time that the, the sort of backgrounds drop away and you see the sort of behind-the-scenes newspaper clippings, that's how it's, how it's sort of seen. Um, so yeah, like the, usually in gaming parlance, like a strategy game can be turn-based or real-time, but usually that means that like it's primarily focused on grand scale strategy like the movements of whole armies whereas yeah. a tactics game like final fantasy tactics specifically is sort of like the progenitor in many ways um it's more you know a few characters over a limited battlefield in kind of small scale skirmishes um right, right. that's what we've got here i mean so you've you've got a party member right um 
and it, of course it is Rocky, right? So mm-hmm. Chandrell had had Lazarus on her team. Um, this is a, a little different than that, uh, in that we haven't met Rocky before. Um, it's a it's a kind of I don't know variation on Chandrell's story in another way too, right? Because uh, Rust apparently like has no self awareness of himself as a, a game character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so uh and, and Rocky, you know the, at, the same. At the very least, like he seems to have a little bit of awareness. Like he's he recognizes that he's done this. Like he's wandered mm-hmm. over the whole wasteland. And you know, when things start to change because of the modders, he he starts to get suspicious. He's like, why is this happening? This isn't how it usually goes. But that's yeah. as far as it goes. Like where Chandrell was actively working against uh, the game's release, deliberately like undermining and subverting what the game wanted her to do, Rust seems to be having a pretty good time, which is yeah. kind of surprising given the fact that it's a post-apocalyptic wasteland in the vein of Fallout. Um, so, you know, there's... The, the trick is, like, his relationship with Rocky... At least in this this first these first sort of interactions these first little encounters, it's one hundred percent positive. Like we don't have Chandrell's you know darkness hanging over it. Um, we don't have her breaking the rules of the game. Um, instead, it's just you know Rocky and Rust are friends. They are working together to overcome all of the challenges in the wasteland, just like the game expects them to. Um, yeah. The problem in this case is that the game doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. It starts you in in media res, right? In the in this sort of ultimate battle uh, to find the cache, right? The I always used to pronounce that stash. I feel like I'm mean, gonna just keep calling it a stash. Um, but <laughs> it's fine. it's like a legendary you know vault of of supplies and. You're the survivors. Yeah, you've you've made it through the wasteland to this sort of um, this place that your dad told you about, right? Uh, and you guys are going to be okay now. Um, it it really strongly like it made me think of the road. If you guys mm-hmm. have seen that, there there's a movie version of it. It's a it's a Cormac McCarthy book, right? Where yeah, father and his son are are wandering through this kind of post apocalyptic wasteland. Um, so there's a very strong feeling of like allegory that's that's implied there in you know following the spots along the road to this sort of promised land right mm-hmm. and, and of course this is the point where the game stopped being programmed um yeah and it's the Jeremiah figure who comes to tell you that is it fair to call him Jeremiah is that his name yeah or- I, th- I think at this point it's like he he's revealed himself. He is he is Jeremiah to us now. Okay, okay. Um, Did you catch yeah. the password to get into the vault, though? I feel in like. the... Oh right, right, right. And so Rust knows the word sarsaparilla. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I'm gonna pronounce it sarsaparilla because that's how I've always said it. But but yeah, and um, the the kind of comedy. Right, that the uh, the enemies are having this kind of farcical attempt to go through all the words in the alphabet, right, to open the right, yeah, the door. They're um, forcing the password, but it's like it's really um, jarring. Then that there's 
the the first mod that you're like aware of is um you know the the gore right the extra yeah. violence um and so yeah you 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 have this kind of dissonance just in in the gameplay itself right there in the kind of story if you want to call it that um that we get with the dialogue there um and yeah the game like that's that's the point at which it's sort of like reset and you can see in the background the um the game sleuth uh like article about how this this game was released um or was it leaked does it say like yeah it wasn't released it was leaked uh, okay and the modding community picked it up um so yeah. you know our our shadowy game developer lionel apparently was working on this one didn't finish it but it sort of escaped and ended up in the hands of the community who then you know couldn't play it it wasn't finished but <laughs> modded it so it was now playable um which is like in gaming circles this is something that has been known to happen from time to time not especially frequently um, like th there are definitely hacker communities that will totally like get into a game early, usually not at that earliest stage. Um, but it's also especially significant because again, like it it's pretty obvious that Daniel Mullins is pointing his finger directly at fallout, especially, um, because, you know, even the reference to the vaults, the post-apocalyptic Western, uh, sort of genre, this is all hallmarks of Fallout, even down to the, the tactical combat. Um, oh. Like, famously, the third Fallout game was Fallout Tactics, and it was famously broken, and everybody cheats to play through it. Um, <laughs> but the other thing that he's undoubtedly has in mind is that contemporary Bethesda games, like Fallout 3 or Fallout New Vegas or Fallout 4, um, are like famously buggy um mm -hmm. and they are always always subject to modding by the community the the community typically fixes what the developers <laughs> left broken um to the point that now it's you know it's like this you know bugbear of gaming culture that you know lots of developers are now releasing these buggy titles expecting the pc community to fix it for them um, but this is sort of the extreme there. Um, like we saw with with some of the other like warped versions of the games that Lionel has been building, um, the community frequently messes up the problems. Like we saw with Secrets of Legendaria, like what's his face? Um, the the one community member who kept giving away the answers to the quiz questions until they banned him. Yes. Um, you know, of course. Um, so in, in this case, we have the community is both responsible for saving the game, like they're the ones that make it playable, but they're also the ones very much modifying and destroying the game in the process of changing it to suit their desires and their needs. Um, cheating is the only way to progress. Cheating is also how the game breaks beyond repair. This, this was a question I had about this section, um, is it possible to make it through these battles without using the increasingly like broken cheats that are available to you? Um, I think it is. I think either the first or second time that I played through this, I, I tried to do it without. 
Um, some of the battles, it's possible. Some of the battles, it's very difficult. Other battles, like, I'm not even sure if it is possible. Um, like, especially once you get to the boss fights, it gets very difficult to, like, fight yeah. the Verm um, with this <laughs> giant poison, uh, like, coverage um, and still be able to win the fight without cheating. Um, like, again, the earlier stages it's doable, but difficult. The later stages it really isn't. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of stuff, and although the path is pretty much linear, um, there are some sort of side quests you can do once you, you know, reboot back at what appears to be your hut or whatever um, mm -hmm. on the, on the what is that, the west side of the wastes. Um, so one thing that I found was the wizard character who mm -hmm. needs saving from a band of, you know, rad rats or whatever. Um, does he come back at some point? Is, is there any you know, point in rescuing him? Um, you'll remember this is the second time we've seen him. He was one of the fighters in Bryce's chapter, um, although it was one of those sort of blink-and-you-miss-it uh, characters, if oh, I recall. Okay. Um, and we will see him again. Like, he does seem kind of out of place here insofar as you just kind of rescue him and he doesn't really do much for you, and then, poof, he's gone and everyone forgets. Um... <laughs> There is, I'm pretty sure, something that you can do with him later. Like, if you come back to, to this chapter later on after you've discovered other stuff. Um, and he will be relevant in a later chapter as well. But here, he does seem kind of out of place. Okay, I did not remember fighting him in Bryce. Um, but now that you mention that, maybe it's possible it happened. Yeah, yeah. Works for me. Um... There's also a pretty strong Pony Island reference uh, yeah. in the, the ticket that um, so it's the uh, it's the shopkeeper from Secrets of Legendaria uh, who feels compelled to give you a free thing um, mm -hmm. and I chose the ticket because somebody in a little hut up north said you know you can't pass without a ticket but there's really good mods up ahead and what it does it seems to do is to give you kind of like a, a pony island skin over the the whole world uh your attacks become sort of like party favor sounds or something yep. you know it's uh, the butterfly wee the wee yes the yeah. butterfly. and that was odd and i think it, um i don't know it, it was the maybe the most direct reference back to Pony Island so far. Um, yeah, you'll notice that the guy in the ticket booth—it's it, kind of hard to see, um, but I'm pretty sure it's Lee, like the mascot guy. Um, oh man, that's yeah. awesome! But you can you can only see like a little bit of his face through the slats, but it's got that same round head and like the red and white uh, color palette, like. I'm I'm like ninety percent sure it's Louis, and then you unlock an achievement, and it's like got Louis's face on it. So um, yeah. it, it's a very direct reference. Um, so and, and it makes sense because the the way that you progress through the overworld is exactly the same as it was in adventure mode in Pony Island. Like you oh, click yeah. to the node, and then you walk to the node, and the nodes are where the battles happen. You know, all of that is 
very, very close to what Pony Island was doing. Oh, so, I mean, is it theoretically possible that Mullins is like recycling code from Pony Island and just like copy pasting it in and, and then, you know, adjusting it a bit to, to work in the um, framework of this game? I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I'm, you, no programmer worth their salt ever, like, gets rid of code. It mm -hmm. will always come in handy down the road. Um, so I'd imagine that, that Daniel Mullins used the foundation of the Pony Island code to build, you know, what he was dealing with with Waste World, um, mm -hmm. with obviously some major modifications and changes, especially later when everything starts to go loopy. Um, but I, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if, if some of the old code is present here, um, just copy-pasted into this new, new format um, and be a waste otherwise a waste so to speak yeah steve steve brought up the fallout connection uh, a bit earlier actually and last time we were also talking about the just the just the daniel mullins like lionel like similarities between the two of them mm -hmm. um uh even on just the level of like the name itself right um i i feel like um the wasn't it like even the name Snill kind of looks like the letters from Mullins like rearranged a bit. Mm -hmm. um, so, so how, I guess, how much more present in the game can you get than to like sort of reference your other games, right? Um, he seems to be really, uh, yeah, really drawing a, a, a pretty direct reference there. Um, but then it's weird that it happens in the context of this, like apparently very much hate loved or love hated, um, you know, Fallout esque world. Um, so again, I'm I'm not sure what kind of statement uh, our our developer, our programmer is making um, by by bringing these things together in this way. Um, yeah, but I. I... I think the connection we should probably be looking to, like, admittedly, the, the Daniel Mullins connection, we definitely need to, to look at again once we sort of see the resolution here. Um, but I also think that it's relevant to connect uh, Lionel's sort of abandoned game to Satan um, and yeah. Lucifer's attitude towards adventure mode in the first place. Because, you know, that was... In Pony Island, that's framed as the game we were never meant to see. Um, and the same is true here. Waste World was not ever released officially. Um, so just as, you know, Lucifer, like, constructs just enough game to distract you, you know, so you've got to, like, grind up to, you know, grind up your 100 experience to get to level 2 and get the wings so you can cross the river... Um, here we have a developer who's given up on their game and it's been sort of, you know, invaded by players all the same. Um, the relationship between Lucifer and his game and Lionel and Waste World is very similar, um, whether or not that, you know, bears reference on Daniel Mullins as well. Um, so, I mean, obviously the Hex was released, like this is a game that you can buy um, in its present state. Um, so, to some degree, there isn't that much of a comparison. But at the same time, you know, 
the hex is a game about one developer and their career all of the games that they started and abandoned for whatever reasons you know going all the way back to weasel kid and going all the way forward to waste world and beyond um so for daniel mullins to reference his other games like pony island sort of makes sense in that context you know, Lionel's other games are on display here. You've got the mechanic from Legendaria and from the, the Bryce um, fighter game. You've got the magician coming back. You've got a lot of characters that are recurring. Like, you can even see Steambot Willie's head in the waste at some point. Um, like, tons of these characters are being reused. That's how Lionel has always operated. Gameworks has shown us that as well. Um, Gameworks doesn't seem to be nearly as much on display with Waste World because Gameworks seems to be more in the publisher arm and it probably never made it to the publisher on this one. Um, but it's clear that the, the reusing, like this is a game built on the, on the bones of other games. Um, it is a game that is, you know, incorporating the corpses of his past attempts. Um, and there is, I'm sure, like I'm 100% positive that it is not an accident that as we have progressed through these games, the time frame, like the, the perspective uh, or the sort of, you know, like chronological development of each game follows the chronological positioning of each game in history. Like you have Super Weasel Kid as this, you know, animals hanging around in animal land and then you've got a fighter which has a sort of feudal quality to it. Um, then Secrets of Legendaria doing the medieval, um, you know, like Zelda type thing. And now we have a post-apocalyptic game. We're moving into the future. Now, but when you when you mentioned the bones thing, that's a direct quote, right? That's what the cat tells you in... in... Developed in front of us. Yeah. So, but the... Um... But the thing that happens in this game is that you you literally leave your bones uh, on on the spikes, right, to allow you to cross them. Yeah. Afterwards, mm -hmm. so that's a really interesting, uh, sort of like a literal representation again of of that um, uh, dynamic at play here. Sorry, did I did I cut you off again? I, no, no, no. That it's a really good connection. Like you are in fact dying in order to progress. Um, yeah. Now, so this portion um, it starts to get really weird when you go into the radioactive city, right? Mm -hmm. That's where the the aliens are uh, mind controlling the the rad rats. Um, that's where you first see the the poisonous gas, and uh, have to have to avoid staying in it too long. Um, that's also where the game. It really is. There any way to to kill that last alien before he mind controls you, or is that? Just I don't think so. I think that is hard coded in there. Like you cannot <laughs> avoid getting mind controlled. Um, but it's also, you know, unclear whether or not you have been mind-controlled. Like, the game actually plays with that element. Like, you just translate to a totally different fight. Like, nothing happened. It's just another mod. Or is it? You kind of have to ask yourself. Um, right. right. It's the boss rush that happens yep. next. Yeah. Yeah. And that one is from Carla, right? Mm-hmm. 
she she's also responsible for some of this stuff going on um and and that little guy who pops out that little alien who pops out at the end of that fight has a very sort of sado or carla-esque quality to him i feel like you know appearing off of the edge of the screen you know and um mm -hmm. breaking the apparent rules of of the gameplay right that that feels like something that she might have been responsible for or had a hand in anyhow yeah um, it could very well be it, it does smack of carla <laughs> and and of course sado is the the last in the boss rush um the final mm -hmm. fight final battle um but you mentioned the verm uh yeah that's the one where i was like i really don't think you can do this without having at least like infinite steps you know infinite movement yeah um, maybe... i also find that fight just hilarious like <laughs> the verm is you know he's got that that sort of schizophrenic personality that sort of two-sidedness where, you yeah. know, he's, on the one hand, he's like, I am your master, bow to me! You are gonna bow to me, right? Like, then the music <laughs> always cuts out when he's feeling self-conscious. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just, it's kind of like the dragon from Secrets of Legendaria who gets really oh. angry and upset that you were invading his lair. Like, the Verm is also very upset that you were, you know, stomping around not giving him proper obeisance um, with his little nuclear missile crown. <laughs> Yeah, he also seems to be, and maybe Dust Bowl Danny to an extent too, they seem like confused about what they're doing at that part of yeah. the game. Yeah, Rust for right? certain like, is like, wait, that's like, not where they belong. Yeah, and so they in a way have more sort of self-awareness this time. Um, and yeah, it is kind of like the dragon sort of like breaking character, um, but these ones almost like they're saying in an aside, like as an actor, you know, stage whisper, mm -hmm. like, line like i forgot what like is this where i'm supposed to come in right so yeah first you fight dust bowl danny i definitely died in that fight the first time because of his little trick he does um i just tried to go straight for him and he switches places with his his little gun bots mm -hmm. um, which which one shot you um so that fight you know once you figure that out you can go around and, and mop up the gun bots without too much trouble because there. Yeah, Not once moving. you've got the chain shot, that's you can take them out pretty pretty quickly. Yeah. And so it should be mentioned, right, if you die, this is sort of like the ultimate mod of you get to rewind. Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of a... Uh, it's got like the Super Weasel Kid uh, logo there, too. So it's it seems to be something mm -hmm. that Lionel left in there while he was working on the game, maybe, or, or something. Um, and you can rewind back to whatever point in the battle you need to. Um, and the the Verm fight, yeah, involves all of the poison gas, but the Verm also like summons monsters periodically. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, this, what else is down here? Oh, and they're rats. <laughs> yes, yeah. and they're they're ratter rats or something, right? They can yes. like, the poison gas. <laughs> um, yeah, and so it does have this feeling of like, yeah, lordship, you know, um, and it is a kind of puzzle battle. So in that way, I don't know, that one reminded me kind of of the Sphinx as well, um, mm -hmm. having this kind of, uh, this personality of, um, in, in, in a way, demanding, yeah, attention, uh, demanding 
your your awe, your your um well I, I like the description of the thing on its head as a crown. Um but it also yeah. I mean it kind of made me think of the the basement of the inn again like I guess we're still figuring out how characters move between games and stuff but um yeah maybe maybe it's something like that um that little rocket ship thing um is there a trick to beating the verm i mean like i think i just basically like survived enough rounds to where he's he didn't go back underground um yeah um I think the the easiest way is if you if you keep dropping mines as you move around the field, the the little worm tail will accidentally bump into them and blow itself up, accelerating the fat the fight pretty quickly. Okay. Um, but you know, like I did that just by accident because I was just leaving the mine dropper on. Um, right. So, but yeah, it is you know you just got to shoot the the little body of the worm enough times for him to finally give up and admit defeat um yeah. show up on the surface at which point you can just you know go up to him and one shot him yes yes and did you choose i forget now at what point this this choice occurs but did you choose endurance or brutality oh. with yeah with rocky um i went for brutality uh because <laughs> i'm a terrible person <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure it does not affect Rocky's fate one way or the other. No, um, no I guess that must be before this boss rush mode, right? It's when it's when you you get you know mind controlled. You feel yeah. Weird. I think that's when it happens. Okay, I think I chose endurance, uh, thinking that you know having an extra infinite move would matter somehow, but. I really think brutality is probably the better choice, reflecting on it a bit. Um, yeah. But this is another point at which it's, I mean, one of the problems with all these games is like there's too much violence in them, it seems like. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, again, like a player choice uh, in some sense, um, but also conditioned by the way that the developers or publisher or whoever it is, you know, GameWorks uh, seems to be pushing um yeah pushing their audience so it's it's an interesting problem yeah <laughs> the games have sort of just as they've been drifting more futuristic i think they've also been drifting more hardcore um mm -hmm. as far as the gaming community is concerned like you know you've got the your little super weasel kid platformer which would feel right at home at the nintendo stable and then you've got your Street Fighter fighting game, which, you know, is kind of violent in its way, and it's certainly an interesting foil for Bryce, who used to hang out in a cooking game. Um, but, you know, it's nothing compared to, like, extreme gore turned on in Waste World. Um, and, you know, just the whole situation of Rust walking across the wastes, gunning his way through anyone who gets in his way. Um, and even Secrets of Legendaria, as much as that sounds like a Nintendo game on the surface, it's Chandrell who breaks every part of it and turns it into this horrible nightmare. Um, yes. It becomes darker than it was intended. Um, and in some way, it's kind of like Lionel didn't recover from that. Like, there are the waste world post-apocalyptic 
pessimistic, nihilistic attitude that we see here dealing with Rust is brought about by his total failure, the, the collapse of Secrets of Legendaria. That's interesting, yeah. And the attempt seems to be to make a uh, sort of buddy comedy, like a, you know, a, a game that's got humor in it, that's got this, like, lovable, you know, character um, who you're protecting, right, and, and getting through the wastes with. But then, you know, the really messed up thing is that in the in the fight with Sato, she targets uh, Rocky, right? Mm -hmm. She goes straight for him. And again, like Dust Bowl Danny, you, you can't hit her. She'll she'll move every time you attack her. Basically, she's mm -hmm. that's an unwinnable fight, right? I mean, I don't see any way to actually well, until she allows it, right? Um Yeah, and even then it's it's ambiguous. Like yeah. the implication is certainly that you're the one who kills Rocky at the end. Um, yes. She's the one who says all you need to do to stop is pull the trigger. And it's when you pull the trigger that Rocky disappears and will not come back into the game. Um, right. And it's, you know, it's a powerful, it's a powerful mechanical change. Because, like, even from the first fight in Waste World, you're told, you know, Rocky takes the hits, Rust is fragile, but does more damage as long as he can do it from a distance. Um, mm. So, you know, you send Rocky into the front line, people will wail on him and he can take it and you protect him. Like, it's a very clear symbiotic relationship, which is totally removed. Um, like, Sato, the next fight after Rocky vanishes is the exact same fight that you started off with, the, the tutorial fight against the three Wastelanders, only now Rocky's gone. Um, mm -hmm. And they charge you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Like, even the, the cheats are disabled. It says, you know, yep. cheats are disabled in hardcore mode. Um, so there you are. And like, that's a fight that I had to play through multiple times. I imagine you did the same because, you know, they just, there's three of them and one of you and you got to hit them six times before they hit you twice. Um, it's a tough fight because your friend isn't there to protect you. If you've got stuff like the spike boots or the, the mines that pop out when you get hit, um, those things still work. So, yes. yeah. So I think that's, that's how I, I think, you know, by using landmines, essentially, that was how I, I, I had to sort of like, you know, judiciously allow them to hit me in certain places where then they would step right. on the mines that popped out or something like that. But yeah, yeah. And, and you're also like saying Rocky's lines at this point. Yes. Right? Rust is like, it's unclear whether you're seeing things in the six point in, right? You're seeing images that aren't there that appear to be holograms. Um, one of them, I think we didn't mention, like, as you walk past the one room, you can see in and there's a hologram of you on the bed talking to somebody, mm -hmm. right? Um, and you don't have your hood on there. So these are, you know, either hallucinations, you know, and now he's sort of doing an audio hallucination type of thing. Um, or they're, you know, guiding you, uh, manipulating you to, to lead you to this, this top floor. Um, where all, all will be revealed, I guess, uh, in mm -hmm. due time. But, um, but yeah, yeah. And so it starts to get. I think. I think the cat. Or wait, it's not the cat. Sorry, it's it's Jeremiah. He's like now. Now the mods are going to get weird. 
right? Yeah. And so you start to switch who you are. Um, you have a fight that takes place like on the surface of the adventure mode. Yep. You know, on the map. world map. Yep. <laughs> Which, you have your then, super weasel kid platform yeah. adventure where you know you're shooting the coins. Which now there's actually a reference to that um, in the when you're walking around the Six Pine Inn if uh, before the Waste World section if you talk to Super Weasel Kid, um, you ask him like what uh, what was your game like and he says well mostly I just jumped on Groombas and he's like did you shoot them and Super Weasel Kid <laughs> says no that would be really messed up <laughs> but of course that's how you progress through this mod you shoot the Groombas and it is really graphic like you see bullet holes in these you know toadstool ask like typical platforming characters because if you jump on them you die that's not how rust yeah. works um and there's you know there's something so twisted about this like a old school kid-friendly mario game co-opted with this violent you know like hardcore like mature rated um shooter it's it's very discordant very dissonant um, and very uncomfortable as a result. Yes, yes, and this is another place where I was like thinking, like probably I'm not supposed to shoot stuff, you know. But I, I don't think I could figure out a way to do it without a, you know, dying a lot as as yeah. I fall from spikes, and then using my my dead corpse to to jump across. But also, like, yeah, I don't, I don't see how I could time it such that I didn't ever have to shoot one of the Goombas at some point. Um, now, there's also, like, I noticed that if you are in the air and you start shooting, you sort of, like, hover. Yep. Um, you even maybe go up a little bit. Uh, is there a way to get up into the clouds? You yes. Know, you jump? I knew it. Dang it. <laughs> uh, the, the, one, the one coin that's blacked out you, is glitched, and you can shoot it an infinite number of times. Um, so if you shoot that coin, it takes you up to a higher cloud, and lo and behold, that is where the cat on the rip magic carpet is hanging. Um, and That's yep. what the black coin is for. I, dang, I knew I should have tried more things. That's interesting, though. Um, so using the, the gun mechanic to accomplish the platforming thing that you can't do as Rust, that's, that's super interesting. Um, yeah, it reminds me, you know, I think a lot of the early mods probably were stuff like this that, like, made extra gore in, like, really incongruous ways um, in very oh, innocent yeah. ways, right? You, like, I, I can remember, you know, back in the early days of the, the N64, um, you know, back with, like, GoldenEye 007, which, of course, everybody played and everybody loved, like it had cheats that you could unlock by beating certain levels in certain times. And some of them were, you know, excess gore or paintball mode or, you know, stuff that, that itself had been kind of like taken from old PC games doing similar things like the early Doom mods um, and the early Quake mods that were, you know, again, paintball mode, extra gore, simple stuff like that that was easy to program and modify the code with. Um, so, you know... Likewise, the cheats, the infinite movement, the infinite damage, the infinite range, like, these are also classic, like, old modding community tricks. You just, like, turn some number up to a million and then just run with it. Um, but, you know, with 
unintended consequences frequently being the case, like, oops, now this level doesn't work, or, you know, now you've cut through the world geometry and you're clipping through walls. Like, these were frequent problems when you were, you know, messing with the innards of a first-person shooter. Yeah, and it just, it, like, makes the distinction that you point out between Rocky and Rust, which, like, is integral to the game as conceived, it makes it not matter at all, right? Rocky has infinite range. Rust uh, will shoot people and kill them in one hit. Rocky will hit people and kill them in one hit. He doesn't, like, push them back so that Rust yeah. can get a chain or something. Like, interesting. Like, it makes the game a, a mess. Like, yeah. which essentially, like, yeah. Which I think, like, there there is sort of a, a tension there. Like, it's obvious that Daniel Mullins just in all of what's going on in the hex, he is absolutely enamored with breaking games. Yes, like we yeah. saw him in Pony Island, we see it again here. His love of missing no in the Pokemon game, his <laughs> love of, you know, all these clipping problems and secret areas and Easter eggs. And, you know, it's all very much on display and it's very much in the spirit of love, but he is making, making the acknowledgement that, you know, when you break a game this badly, you're no longer experiencing it the way that the developers wanted you to. You are damaging it for your own sake. Like, even with Legendaria, there are bonus rewards if you play it straight. Um, yes. If you collect all the proper onks instead of just getting the bugged onk, she gives you an awesome spell. Um, so, you know, here especially... Like, when Sato takes Rocky away and then cuts off your access to cheats, um, it becomes all that much more horrifying, all that much more more sort of, like, personal and, and meaningful. You know, that was what Rocky was there for. Um, you were cheating to get through the game. You were not appreciating it the way that it was supposed to be. And admittedly, like some of this is Lionel just failing to get the game out in the first place. But even so, you never gave him a chance. Um, right. You, the player, decided that your game shark was more valuable than whatever the developers of GoldenEye wanted you to do. So, you know, you just plugged in your thing and now you can run through the corridors with infinite health. So good for you. Was it really that rewarding? Like, do you feel better now that you shot up all the guys with no danger and no repercussions? Um, and, and, I, and there's something there's something powerful about that. Like, early yeah. like cheats in the early you know early days of gaming in the '90s and the early 2000s. You know, I, I didn't get through the original StarCraft or the original you know Dark Forces Two Jedi Knight without cheating when I was a kid. Like, that's how I enjoyed those games. And I think that there's something something to be said for that. Like, you know, if you're a ten year old, by all means, cheat the crap out of the thing. Um, but at the same time, like, what are you missing when you do that? Um, yes. What is the experience that you were denying yourself? Um, is the game more fun when it is challenging? When you are playing it the way the de developers intended? When you are seeing the mechanics and what they are making you feel? Because um, when when um, when your buddy gets taken away, when Rocky suddenly disappears and you're left all alone, that's, that's what he was there for. You shouldn't have messed with that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's this kind of, um, dysphoria. I'm not sure if that's accurate, but like you start to switch who you are, you, you become the yeah. enemy 
right? The guys with the, the chainsaws. Um, and now it's a couple of, a couple of crazy looking old men coming at you with guns yep. that you have to take out. Um, you also, you go back to that moment where everything got messed up and, and Rocky's there and he's, he's rescued you. He's taken the, the mind control yeah, thing. Yeah. Head. Um, but of course it's it actually feels like it's all just a dream. It's not, you know, it's okay. It was all just mind control. Everything is fine again. And then Rocky has Sato face. It's because you like, say you, I love you. Right? That that yeah. love, that is the danger, right? That's the vulnerability. It seems like, um, which Sato mocks. And again, I sort of like, I'm trying to figure out like, if Sato is trying to teach you not to mod, right, and to appreciate the game as it should be, or did she or her, you know, person whose avatar she is like leak the game in the first place to mess with Lionel. Like it's all quite convoluted uh, at this point. Um, a lot of ins, a lot of outs, but um, at some point you start to walk across a rainy landscape, right? You're approaching the, uh, the six point in and mm-hmm. it, uh, it's like you're seeing things from Rust's perspective in a way because of the the way that the game like looks. It looks like his adventure mode sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you you wind up there. I guess you know you know seeking healing or possibly playing out whatever orders or instructions you've been programmed with. Right now you're. Um, it's it's really unclear, like what the status yeah. <laughs> of your I, your I, yeah. I especially think of the scene that you mentioned earlier, the hologram of you on the bed being taken care of. Um, I suspect that that's a thing that actually happened. Like yeah. the fact that he's bald at that point, that all of his hair is gone. We've watched as his hair has you know gotten white and gotten more sparse. Um, especially once Rust starts like. Once Rust starts killing people without Rocky's help, you'll notice his avatar gets bloodied. Like, mm-hmm. his eyes start to bug out. He starts to lose his expressiveness. Um, and he's covered in blood because now Rocky isn't doing that job for him. Now he's forced to fight these, these enemies up close and personal. Um, yeah. And here, when he's lying on the bed, it very much makes me think that this is, this is him after his arrival with Jeremiah and the barkeep sort of attending to his bedside, trying to help him to get well, to sort of like reattach to the world. Um, Mm. Because he's been, at this point, disconnected for so long. Like, down to that moment when, you know, Sato says, pull the trigger, but now you're playing as Sato, and now you're shooting Rust. Like, the whole cycle has broken down. Complete lack of identity until you are, like, just floating in space willy-nilly like no awareness of what's going on around you um coming to the six pine inn is where you get close enough to recuperate it to be able to function at the level where you're like talking to people and walking around and acting like a video game character but even still as disoriented as we've mentioned like all the characters distrust you you still seem wild-eyed and you know a little bit unhinged um and also, like, you know, it, it's interesting, too, that it's Jeremiah who ultimately helps you out, because you shoot Jeremiah as Russ oh, at yeah. one point. Of course. Of course. Yeah. yeah. 
like when you finally get to the vault the second time and you meet Jeremiah and Jeremiah's like, Rust, I'm so sorry that this happened to you. And you're demanding, where's Rocky? Where's Rocky? Give back Rocky. And Jeremiah's like, I can't help you. Like Rocky's gone. And then you shoot him and he's like, all right, you know what? Mods are going to get real weird from here on out. Good luck. Like, Jeremiah writes you off. You are on your own. Which, you know, what else can he do at this point? Like, you're out of your mind. Um, But it is still Jeremiah who seems to be there at your bedside taking care of you. And it is definitely Jeremiah who finally reveals himself, takes off his cowl, and explains that the time for your vengeance is nigh. Um, and he seems to be like on the walkie talkie with someone else in the six pint in the plot thickens. It's, it's gotta be the barkeep, right? I mean, it seems like, uh, and Jeremiah's about to name the barkeep or whoever he's talking to, whoever's sort of pulling the strings, um, Mm -hmm. with an R. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to see what, but the, but the conversation's cut off because somebody's arrived at the, the door, which yes. is what we just saw Rust doing, essentially, um, in his memory. So that's interesting. Yeah, I'm, and I'm really curious to see what happens. Um, we have, you know, sort of gotten out of the six pipe in, insofar as we've been out in the, in the rain a bit. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm curious if there will be more sort of goings-on on the grounds of the of the inn, now that we seem to have found all the different stories of it um, and all the different back rooms and things. Um, but then, then again, that mirror is really big. And I feel like probably there's something behind that mirror. Um, we'll, we'll, <laughs> also we'll see. suspicious. <laughs> it's almost like it can reflect all the characters if they're all sitting in the, in the seats in the bar at the same time. I wonder, I wonder. Um, all right. Well, I'll stop trying to fish for a minute here. What? What else? Oh, the music. I really wanted to bring up the music uh, mm-hmm. for this portion of the game. I feel like we haven't really talked about it much so far, but um, but it stood out to me in this in in Rust's portion. Um, it's it's very atmospheric, of course, and it also gets really creepy. Um, first with like the aliens. There's like a kind of you know, otherworldly sci-fi feel that gets thrown into the the Wild West mm-hmm. music, um, and then it just gets like really uh, gloomy and and grimy and and just like the sound that a chainsaw would make if it sounded you know musical and good. Yeah, you know? kind of like the 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 bass and the um, just the sound effects. It, it's it's cool. I like the music in this part of the game. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know what else well, to say I've about. Been- like, I think that this is really, you know, this is the emotional core of, mm. of the game. Like, this is the deepest you get into certainly any of the characters so far. And, you know, Rust is Rust is the victim here, more clearly than anyone else. Like, Chandrell is fighting against Lionel, the developers, and so on. But Rust is just an innocent, utterly victimized by this whole ugly process of development and leaking and modding and the game just being so twisted out of its original shape and form, um, you feel sympathetic for him. And like, as his delusion sort of progresses and, and he starts talking about, you know, Rocky as his son, 
you know, mm. you have to ask those questions. Like, were they in fact related? Was there in fact a relationship or, or was it imagined? Like, how did this relationship get formed? Um, like the journey of rust, like from his sort of understanding of his world, as bad as it might be to, you know, losing Rocky and falling through this delirium and sanity and coming out the other side, like it's rough. It is real rough. Um, and it makes you, it makes you ready. Like you're angry. Now you want that vengeance that has been promised. Um, you understand and sympathize with Chandrell's fighting back against the machine with Bryce's, you know, antagonism against the powers that twisted him into this violent fighter. You know, all of these characters have been hurt and lost and rust is sort of the epitome of that. Like a character who had no chance and was hurt for no reason. Um, Bryce is at least complicit in his fall. Rust is not. Um, he is just a victim of Lionel, of Sado, and of the modding community at large. Um, you want to fight back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he... Gosh. It seems like he is supposed to know, you know, Jeremiah, once the garb comes off. Um, mm -hmm. but but he doesn't like as far as I can tell like we that that big reveal like doesn't really reveal anything <laughs> yeah it, this guy looks real weird under his under his stuff and he has a cool monocle turns out um, so that's the glinting the, the glinting yeah that circular glint uh, is finally explained I just feel like that's their relationship is is very interesting to me the way mm -hmm. in which sort of um servile you know the janitor um seems to be uh you know seeking some kind of of connection and warmth with rust but rust like doesn't understand you know it doesn't doesn't really compute for him at this point mm -hmm. well at this point there's very little that does <laughs> got a yeah a lot of pieces a lot of moving pieces um and and yeah not not clear yet how they all uh, are going to fit together. Um, so we've got at least two characters left, right? We've got Lazarus. That's who we're mm -hmm. going to be next time. And then the the faceless walking sim slash first-person shooter at the center of the bar. Um, yeah. So there's at least uh, a couple more threads to be woven in here. Um, yeah. Any other Any other stuff from this part? There up. is one other thing. Um, so I have sort of been been telling you about the the saga of Shrewd's glasses, um, <laughs> and this is where it finally reaches its conclusion. Um, so you know, back in in Bryce's chapter, you pick up the glasses when you meet Mister Squirrel. Um, if you have the presence of mind not to beat him up instead, um, in Secrets of Legendaria, you can buy the glasses. Um, from Mr. Squirrel, and then like take them to the mechanic who says that she will fix them. Um, huh. If you did that, when you get to Rust's chapter, the mechanic will sell you the glasses um, for a fairly substantial 350 scrap or whatever. Um, uh -huh. And it'll give you a little bonus, like it gives you extra range. Um, but importantly, when you're playing through the crazy Super Weasel Kid mod, you run into Mr. Squirrel. Yes. Um, 
and Mr. Squirrel recognizes the glasses and asks for them back because, as it turns out, Mr. Squirrel and Mr. Shrewd weren't, you know, like antagonists. They weren't rivals. Mr. Squirrel did not, like, off Mr. Shrewd behind the scenes. He <laughs> apparently was Mr. Shrewd's lover. Oh, I was... Yes. I was not expecting that. That's like it's it's sort of subtextual, but it is very clear that they they had a strong relationship. And Mr. Squirrel sold off the glasses, you know, thinking that that like it would be easier to forget Mr. Shrewd after Mr. Shrewd died, just out of sheer old age. Like not any sort of plot, not game works trying to off him behind the scenes. It, it was just his time. Um, Mr. Squirrel thought he'd get rid of the glasses because you know, it'd be easier to move on, but now he regrets it, and now he wants them back. Um, mm. And if you give them to him, Mr. Squirrel will put on the glasses, and he'll thank you, and he'll say that it's a it's a nice memento of Mr. Shrewd, um, which I think is a really nice little moment in the middle of all this darkness and gloom and doom and paranoia and madness um, to see that there there is a deeper relationship. Uh, behind the scenes there, and Mr. Squirrel isn't isn't necessarily the thug we thought, and he even ends his little speech by saying, I think I'm going to go turn my life around. Um, That's beautiful. No, I did, yeah, you do see him there, he's like sleeping in the, yeah. in the console, and I guess it's probably possible to shoot him? I don't know, I didn't try. Um, if you try, he'll wake up and be like, "No, don't shoot!" And then they'll he'll have a conversation with you. Um, but it will depend. What he says will depend on whether or not you're wearing the glasses. Um, yeah, I I left him alone. I I went back out and yeah, I darn, I didn't quite I didn't quite make the glasses come full circle. But I do love that there's a a romance uh, implied there. Um, that's that's nice. Right, because we've seen a lot of different kind of relationships sort of hinted at, but a romantic mm -hmm. one so far at least hasn't really been in the cards. Um, there it is. There we go. Nice. Good for Mr. Squirrel. Um, okay. Cool. Uh, I will. I will look forward to Lazarus or whatever his real name is uh, in his weird, messed up space thing. He he always talks like. He's really sad about the games that he's in, so I'm, I'm leery of this um, Space Marine game. But uh, we'll give it a shot, uh, and then uh, we'll we'll come back for another a round of discussion. Mm -hmm. time. All right, all right. I'm going to. Sounds good. See you guys next time. <laughs>